This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Whether the action is at the link or the bank, there's never an off day on Broad Street. It's the biggest news of the day, every day, with takes from someone who's never short on them. It's WIP Daily with Joe Giglio. Welcome on in WIP Daily. Joe Giglio with you. Appreciate everyone listening and following along with the podcast. And um, look, there's been fun days so far doing this. Obviously, there's been exciting days after game one with the six up in Boston. This is not one of those. Uh, I'm just excited to do the podcast and break down what happened in Boston last night, but not an exciting result for the Sixers. Really, that was non-competitive basketball for the re- you know basically the whole second half. The Sixers blown out game two in Boston. And my big takeaway today, and we'll get to Joel Embiid and and his role in this and how he looked in Game 2 and what it means moving forward, but the Sixers have a math problem in this series, and I don't know how they overcome it. And it's ironic because the guy who runs the Sixers that built this team, of course, is Daryl Morey, who was ahead of the curve on all of this. Look, last night, and, and you go through almost every NBA playoff game, almost everyone, the Lakers have been a little bit of the outlier so far in the NBA postseason. But if you go through almost every NBA playoff game, let's just use an example last night, 121-87, Celtics over the Sixers, the team that shoots and makes more three-pointers, certainly makes, but but both shoots and makes more three-pointers, typically wins the game. And last night, the Sixers attempted 33s. They only made six. They shot 20% from downtown. Now the percentage will go up, but they only shot 33-pointers. The Boston Celtics last night, Shot 51. This was the math that Daryl Morey used when he built the James Harden Rockets, when he took that team and made them, a, you know, one of the best teams in, in basketball. And obviously, at one point at their peak, you know, a very, very, very viable contender to knock off the Dynastic Warriors. The Sixers have a math problem, and it's exacerbated when Joel Embiid is out there. So let's just play this out. The Celtics in this series are playing with pace. They played with it last night. They wanted to push the pace. They want extra possessions up and down the court. The Sixers are going to play slower for a couple reasons. One, Joel Embiid is back, and Joel Embiid is moving at 
you know, he's not a particularly fast man to begin with because he's a, a big center, but now he's playing at an even slower pace because he's, you know, he's trying to work his way back into shape. Well, the Sixers last night, their pace was trash. I mean, their pace was bad compared to the Boston Celtics, and they only got up 33 pointers and they only took 79 shots. The Celtics put up 51 shots and 51 threes and, and shot the ball 92 times. Nine, and I want to take you back to without Joel Embiid, with Joel Embiid. So game one, no Joel Embiid. The Sixers played certainly with more pace, certainly more urgency on the offensive end. They took 89 shots to the Celtics' 75. They took 12 more threes, 38 to 26. It was a complete flip of the script of the kind of game. So forget who played better. Forget you know who, who, who was more efficient. Just look at how the game was played. The game was played at a pace that favors the Celtics. And... This is not a one-off. The Sixers this season played at the 27th slowest pace, or you know, 27th in the league at pace in the NBA. They're a plotting team. They're older. You know, obviously Tyrese Maxey could play with pace, but he's one of five. You know, you have James Harden, who kind of plays with a controlled pace, and he's also a player that's older. I think when you know, when extra rest for James Harden, more pace. You know, one day off in between, less pace. Tobias Harris, not exactly a pace player. So we're talking about a team right now, and P.J. Tucker, older player. They're not a pace team. And they're playing a team that recognizes that in the Boston Celtics and wants to play with pace. That that stuck out to me more than anything last night. Not that Joel Embiid makes them worse, that in this particular series, this particular matchup, his presence and the way the Sixers play with him on the court and now again, exacerbated by the fact that he can't run as much or run as fast or just move as quickly, it's it's creating two different games. The Celtics are playing one game. The Sixers are playing their own game. And if the Celtics could shoot at a, a good to really good clip playing their game, I don't know how the Sixers beat them. Because it's, just, it's math. I mean, this takes it back to Daryl Morey, and, and I'm sure he's seeing the game, you know, game two, Similar to what I'm saying right now, I'm sure he, whether he's saying it or seeing it or knowing it, it gets deep down he gets it because this is the basketball that he really wanted to create in the NBA and that most teams copied, which is pace and space and threes. I mean, that's it. And yes, the Sixers could play more efficiently. They could play better defensively. Joel Embiid will have a better game, hopefully in game three. We'll get to Embiid and my thoughts on his overall performance. But if the Celtics shoot the ball 10 to 20 more times, and they shoot 10 to 20 more threes. Even if the Sixers play a little bit better, they're still in a disadvantageous situation. I saw, you know, styles make fights in any sport. And the style that the Celtics played in game two is going to be a very, very, very difficult one for the Sixers to beat, even if the Celtics are a little bit less efficient, even if the Celtics aren't quite as good, because it's a math game. And if they're taking that many more threes, the, Celt- the Sixers are in trouble. They got to get up and down the court more. And the, or you know, stop transition for the Celtics. Whatever they they have to close that gap between the way the Celtics played and the way they played in game number two with Joel Embiid. All right, let's get to Joel's performance. Uh, I said on Wednesday on WIP on the midday show, I thought it'd be a mistake for Joel Embiid to play. I still think it was a mistake for Joel Embiid to play. I, a couple things that stood out to me about Embiid and, and coming back. Number one, there is this assumption, I think, from the Sixers to Embiid to to a lot in the fan base that he will be better off for playing game two when they get to game three. And I understand some of the logic behind it. He, he knocks the rust off. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that. He probably knocks the rust off. Do we know if his knee is going to feel better in game three than it did in game two? 
I don't. In fact, I would probably say it feels worse. It's probably going to be really, really, really sore today. And and we'll have to work out to where he is for game three. And I'm not saying he's not going to play and he re-injured it, but the, the, the physical condition of his knee and how he feels at tip on Friday night after playing in game two, I, I imagine has to be worse. It can't be better. Maybe it's the same, but it certainly cannot be better than it would have been if he sat out game two. So that's number one. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, and then to the rust thing, we'll see. You know, we'll see how, how much more effective he is on the offensive end. I thought Joel Embiid played... Trying to think of the right word for way to describe his play in this game. Let's start with defensively, because that that's where he clearly made an impact. I thought he played very well defensively. Active. Um, I thought he, you know, is one of his better games of the season in terms of blocking shots and just affecting everything the Celtics try to do with the basket. So I, I thought his presence was really, really felt in a significant way by the basket. So great job there. And and his defense was 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 on point. Offensively, though, he didn't play well. I mean, he played 27 minutes. He shot four of nine. He was 0 of two from three. He had 15 points. Yeah, he made his free throw seven of eight. Um, but Joel Embiid did not play well offensively. I mean, he almost had as many field goals, four, as turnovers, three. I thought there was a couple turnovers that he almost had, and then his team recovered it when it got knocked out of his hand. That you know, it, I, Rust, okay, yes, but it also wasn't a very good Joel Embiid offensive game. So they got to hope he's much, much better offensively. Defensively, yes, an upgrade over Paul Reed. But then let's get to the overall flow of the offense with, with the scope of Joel Embiid in it. And this is a very tricky problem for Doc Rivers because they're going to play Joel Embiid. And I'm not asserting they shouldn't play Joel Embiid. But again, to go, to go back to the pace thing, if he's not up to speed, if he is slower, if they're playing at a slower pace to accommodate Joel Embiid, then he has to be super efficient. And they have to be super efficient because they're just not going to have as many possessions as they would if, they, if, say, it was peak physical Joel Embiid or if he wasn't playing like in game one. I thought it slowed the offense down. I, I thought that they moved the ball way better in the first game without Joel Embiid than it did in game two. It felt like they were playing off of him and, and specifically James Harden. I mean, you go back, I think he didn't attempt a shot until 523 left in the first quarter in game two, James Harden. After doing what he did, and obviously Harden had a poor game, uh, you know, a tough shooting night. It was kind of the total opposite of game one. So you kind of look at it and like, what happened? Well, Harden wasn't as good, obviously, but also I think he wasn't as engaged. He kind of went into the game in game one saying, I got to be the scorer. I got to be the lead dog. And in game two, Joel's back. I'm going to take a back seat. And and that didn't work because Joel was back, but he wasn't really back. I mean, that that was not the Joel Embiid that won the MVP this season. That that was uh, you know the league leading score. He scored 15 points. He, he was four of nine shooting. He, he was over from three. So this is this is a big part of of how they have to move forward here into Game Three. They have to find the marriage, and and Game Two was not it of pace, James Harden aggression, 
and and obviously what Joel could still bring to the table at whatever percentage he is. So it was a disappointing game. And I, I think the Sixers should walk out of Boston with their head, head held high. Joel Abit is back. They did get the split. They come home for two. This is certainly a series. But the pace worries me. The way Boston could play worries me because I don't think the Sixers can match that. Like the Celtics' best, it, it's I don't think the Sixers can match it in terms of just the style of play. So they're going to have to find different ways. They're going to have to muck a game up. They're going to need a great Embiid game. They're going to need a a game where defensively they just stop the Celtics shooting. I mean, they make them miss a lot of shots. Like this is going to be a very challenging series now from an X's and O's standpoint for Doc Rivers to figure out how to do this. But as we look forward, Celtics go back to being a pretty big favorite in this series. They're a short favorite. Last time I looked, about one and a half points over at FanDuel for game number three. And I, I really think it comes down to this for the, for the Sixers. They need to shoot more threes. They need to get James Harden way more involved early. And I think they need to focus their defense on the perimeter. I, I know it's cool, like, oh, Joel blocked a lot of shots, but the Celtics aren't going to live and die by the shots Joel Embiid blocks or doesn't, or that Paul Reed blocks and doesn't. The three ball is what the Celtics want to do. They shot, again, 51 three-pointers. I mean, it's an enormous amount of three-pointers, and they'll do it again in game three if they can, and they'll do it again in game four if they can. This, somewhere, somewhere back in the day, Daryl Morey, Maybe it was with the Celt when he was with the Celtics or the Rockets. He saw this day coming, and now it's against his team. And I, I think that you you kind of look at the offense with Joel Embiid and what they did at times in the regular season versus what they were in game number two. We all better hope, and the Sixers better hope that Joel. I, I don't even mean points wise. I just mean minutes wise, pace wise, physically can move up and down the court a little bit better in game two because if it's the same pace for the Sixers. They're playing, it's almost like they're playing one game and the Celtics are playing another game. And and that will be a problem moving forward. So I don't think it's the end of the world they lost game two. I thought they'd lose game two these last 14 times. And the underdog or road team won game one. The home team goes back and wins game two. It was an obvious Celtic spot in game two. Sixers got what they needed. But a couple things to watch out for. The pace, watch out for the three-point shooting and not just makes, but volume of three points. You know, the Sixers can't get outshot attempts wise by 20 from behind the arc. You're playing, you know, it's three versus two. I mean, you can't win that game. The Sixers could have a bunch of maxi layups and they could have a bunch of Joel Embiid free throws. That's not going to make up for three after three after three. It's a math game. Daryl Morey knows this. And the other thing to watch out for is, and, and obviously it's a, it's a major key, is Joel Embiid's health. And how he looks at Game 3. Will he be better because he knocked the rust off? That is a lot of the assumption out there. Or will he be stiffer because he just played 27 minutes for the first time in two weeks? I mean, that's it feels like that part of the equation is just being totally left out. Like, well, what if he's stiff? What if he wakes up on Thursday and it's like, man, my knee hurts? Um, that becomes a challenge for the Sixers as we get to Game number 3. And then the other thing, and it's really important, how James Harden and Embiid marry this between Harden, like it can't be just one way or the other. Like you're not playing, I'm I'm the scorer. You are playing, I'll just I won't participate until you know halfway through the first quarter. Then you want me to take a shot? Oh, cool, I'll, I'll take a shot. No, they need more out of James Harden from a mental and a physical perspective in the scoring game because I don't know if Joel Embiid with this matchup and we know Joel is is not right anyway is going to be able to have his 35 point games. You know, you look at Joel in the playoffs so far. 
you know, he's averaging, I don't know, 17 points a game. He, he, half of what he did in the regular season. So that, that scoring output has to come from somewhere else. And, you know, Maxi can obviously get hot and he probably will have a big game in this series where he has 30 and he, you know, hits four or five or six threes. That can happen. But game to game because of the usage, they're going to need Harden to find that middle ground. It can't be, and we don't expect it to be what it was just crazy in game one. But boy, it can't just be what it was in game two. I mean, James Harden was pitiful. I mean, to have two of 14 shooting, 0 of 6 from 3, 12 points, it's just got to be better than that. And it's, it's more than just makes or misses. It's asserting himself where he needs to assert himself. Game three on Friday night, game four on Sunday. Um, Celtics are the favorites for a reason. I, I it, you know, right now they are still in the advantage in the series, but the Sixers here with the crowd, with Joel back, this is their chance. I mean, if they really want to win this series, I think they got to get both in Philadelphia. I mean, I really do. If they want to win the series, go up 3-1 here, and then they'll get they'll get one more. But this is going to be fun to watch. Hopefully the Sixers could fix this pace issue somehow, some way. They're slowing down the Celtics or ramping up their own pace because the game I watched in Game 2 was a math problem. Daryl Morey knows it. I know it. Anyone with eyes saw what I saw in game number two. Tough night for the Sixers. They come home 1-1. Appreciate, as always, you guys listening and following along with WIP Daily, new daily podcast that I'm doing every single day. My big take of the day will also drop the biggest moments and best moments of WIP all day long and our podcast on our feed. Follow WIP Daily wherever you get your podcasts. We'll talk tomorrow.